Hey guys, and welcome to Money Talks News, the podcast. This episode, we're talking about what to do when the market falls and your retirement account falls with it. We all know last year was terrible for stocks, with the Dow, S&P, and tech-heavy NASDAQ all posting double-digit losses, and that showed up in most retirement accounts. Definitely showed up in mine. According to Fidelity, just in the third quarter of 2022, 401k balances were 23% lower than the year before. That's a lot of loss. And that makes for stressful saving, especially for those nearing retirement. So what is an investor to do? That's what we're going to find out today. I'm Stacey Johnson. As usual, my co-host will be financial journalist Miranda Marquit. Hello, Miranda Marquit. Hello, Stacey Johnson. Listening in and sometimes contributing is our producer and novice investor Aaron Freeman. Hello, Aaron. Hello, guys. How are you doing today? I am flawless. Thank you for asking. And <laughs> this week, we are also joined by our special guest, Robert Gilliland. Did I say that right, Robert? Gilliland? Perfect. The Managing Director and Senior Wealth Advisor with Concentra Wealth Management. Welcome to our show, Robert. Awesome. Thanks for having me. This is great. It's going to be fun. Now, Robert is going to help us navigate our retirement accounts during a bear market. And I need this, Robert, because I'm near retirement and my account did suffer last year. Now, before we start, folks, this is not financial advice. So make sure to do your own research and consult your own experts before acting on anything you learn here. In short, don't sue us. Okay, <laughs> now let's go ahead and dive into today's topic. First of all, Robert, give us a little bit of background about who you are, why you're here, what makes you the expert that you are. Well, I'm a uh, Robert Gilliland in Houston, Texas with Consensual Wealth Management. Um, uh, we started and believe it or not, my timing was impeccable, February of 2020. Uh, I had spent the prior 25 years with a major wirehouse right here in Houston and realized that I wanted to be on the same side of the table as my clients and moved over to be a independent financial advisor. Uh, on my team, we focused 95% of our time working with people who were pre-retirees and as they move into retirement, and really what we focus on is helping them go through and create that income stream so they can live the life that they want to and not have to worry about the day-to-day -day management of their portfolio. Um, so we focus a lot of time in exactly what we're talking about, retirement planning and where are we and what do you do now? Yeah, you said something intriguing that I want to circle back on just for a second. You said you quit a major wirehouse, which means a big stock brokerage firm for the uninitiated. I too, I worked for EF Hutton back in the day. Okay. Robert, and I started I started my career in 1981, which was when interest rates were 20%. So it, it sucked to be a stockbroker back then. Anyway, you said, but you wanted to switch and get on the same side of your table, the same side of the table as your clients. What did you mean by that? When, when, what my experience was in my last three years, I was part of 12 people who would meet on a on a quarterly basis with senior leadership of the firm. And I started this kind of seeing how the sausage was made. And I realized that um, there was a big corporate mandate to talk to people about lending, to talk to people about banking, to talk about people about this product or that product, when it may or may not make sense for them. And so I wanted to be able to align myself and make sure that that we were a fiduciary, we, where we could truly act as a fiduciary and truly go and be held accountable, where it was at one point, um, the needs of our clients must come first. That seemed to kind of be the goal. I wanted that to be the floor. That That's that's table stakes. We want to do better than that. Okay, cool. So, you know, now when I was a stockbroker, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, but the way I would tell people is that the way to get a corner office and a commission job is to generate commission. 
and, and that's that was the thrust, you know, for E.F. Hutton or, or many firms like that. And there still are, you know, commission-based firms. So what you're saying is that you get you you don't get commissions on investments, right? You you act as a fiduciary and put people in the right things, and you, I pre, and presumably you get a, a percentage of of the that's uh, right. account of your financial planner. That's correct. Yeah. So so you're not motivated by commissions, right? Cool. That's good. Because yeah, I would tear into you if you were. No, I <laughs> I'm going to tear into you anyway, Robert. So it doesn't awesome. matter. No. Okay. So now Let's let me that. imagine what it's like to be you right now. People are calling you up and they're going, Robert, holy cow, my account's down 30% last year. What the hell are you doing to me? Are you getting that call? Well, no, because they're not down 30%. So, <laughs> so that, well that, that makes us sound pretty good, right? So, um, the reality is, is that I think that when you're talking about investors, you really have two, there's two, two segments that you want to, that, that, that you're kind of talking about, right? One of them is that person who is either really, really, really close to retirement or already in retirement. So there's one course of action that you've got to take. The other is that younger, that, that younger person who it is, who still has a long runway. And so the advice and what we're doing are really two different things. So that person who is that person who is younger will do that first. The reality is is that the way you become wealthy is by paying yourself, by paying your continuing to make those 401k contributions, managing your debt, right? Making sure you're doing the right thing, continuing to save, because if you like to buy things on sale, making sure that you're taking the right risk, obviously, things may be on sale right here and it makes sense to be very very disciplined making sure you're tracking and and managing that risk becomes vitally important for that segment for the segment that let's call it five years before retirement it all the way into retirement that's where you really have to start going through and doing your planning and we call it the age approach and you have to go through and look that any sort of plan needs to be adaptable because what you think you might live on next year, maybe more or less, has to have growth and you have to ensure that that money is available. And so you need to kind of go through and segment. Some people call it the bucket strategy. Segment those assets to make sure that money and you need to make sure that you're taking the appropriate risk for what you're wanting to do and you're comfortable with that. Okay, now let, let's use let's use real examples here. Um, Miranda is very young. She's in her early 30s. Um, so what advice would you be giving Miranda? if she? Cause, and, and we know this because Miranda won't stop saying it on every single podcast. She, <laughs> that she puts money in the S&P 500 index fund every month. Uh, and, and she's very well aware that you know if it goes down, she just buys more shares. She's really happy with that. But what, what if she said to you, Robert, I'm a little nervous, you know, because even though I'm young, um, I, I don't like opening an envelope and seeing my my investment account down 15, 20 percent. What what, did, what would you say to her? Well, the one thing I would say is to keep the faith. And I would <laughs> remind her about the long term outlook for the market. But she's freaking can, out, Robert. She's panicking. Well, she, here, she, here's what reality is. 2022 <laughs> was a bad year, right? It was a bad year. In fact, and this is was actually kind of surprising when I was going back and looking at it. 2022 was the seventh worst year in performance of the S&P 500 since the Great Depression. 81% of the time after that bad year, the markets went up. That's number one. So that long-term perspective comes, plays right there. The 
the other thing is, is that what I would remind Miranda is, if you go back and look, four of those, including 2022, have happened this century. And if in 2008, you got out of all of that and decided I wanted nothing to do with the market, you did detrimental harm to your portfolio. So, so maintaining that and continue to do it. Now, if you're not comfortable with that risk, then maybe what, what you need to do is look at the diversification. Look at how you're spread out. Because maybe it is, maybe what you want to do is continue to save, but maybe what you want to do is look to maybe add some sectors inside of there because there's always things that are making money. Right. I There's like that idea of sectors. Yeah. I mean, I want to talk about that some more. But you know, I, first of all, Miranda, do you feel better now? Are, are you are you a little <laughs> yeah, more comfortable? Yeah, I feel I feel much better. Your, now. your undies, <laughs> your undies, undies are no longer in a bundle. That's right. That's right. We we try to keep them keep them. Yeah. No, I, but I think that's a really good point because a, a lot of people do kind of like you know when the stock market goes down because most people's four hundred one ks like. Most people who are invested in it, like most regular ordinary folks who are invested in the stock market are doing so through their tax advantaged retirement account, right? They're doing it through their 401ks. And so so a lot of the time people are thinking, hey, the stock market doesn't affect me. I'm not really invested. But then they open up their 401k statement. They're like, well, wait, wait a minute. What did happen here? And then that's when they start to realize, oh, man, I am invested. And uh, what's happening in the stock market does impact me. And so I think um, making sure people understand this is important. I think it's important for people to, one, understand that their retirement accounts are in the stock market, and then two, to understand the cyclical nature of the stock market right. and the fact that even if you have a bad year, um, if you, as Robert says, keep the long the long game in mind, you're, you're going to be fine, right? Like if you look at a, any period, take any given 20-year period of the stock market and overall the stock market you know, over any 20 year period has not lost. So like it used just, to be 10 year period. Is it is it not 10 year um, period anymore? It's, it's probably a 10 year period. I just like using 20 year period because it's long and I know it's right <laughs> and I don't have to <laughs> <Well>, look. <laughs> almost no doubt. But, you know, but it's still OK. Now, Miranda is a mutual fund person or an ETF person or whatever you want to call it. I'm, a, I'm an individual stock buyer. I'm in about 30 different stocks and I've been doing this since, you know, you're you're of a certain age yourself, Robert. You've been in the realm for a long time, and so oh, I started buying I started buying <laughs> stocks in 1981, you know, and I still buy them now. And I'm much more successful as an investor than when I was a stockbroker. I'll tell you what. Right. Uh, it, in fact, I, I tell people this: ask any accountant uh, if they if they do the income taxes of a stockbroker, and they'll tell you that almost universally they lose money every year because they have too much information. They're trading too much. That's right. So anyway, that goes, that goes uh, for couch uh, day traders too. Oh man, I'll tell you what, that's a that's a dumbass thing to do in my opinion. I but have a anyway, question about that, that. I have a question about that later. So uh, uh, what is it? We can stop. <laughs> no, 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 that's not question? the right that's not the right period. Go okay, on with your okay. thing. But I have so a anyway, Robert, later. the question I was gonna ask you was, what are you? Are you in a, do you do you put your clients individual individual stocks or do you do sector funds or do you just do ETFs? What do you do? Um, the answer is all of the above. So so what I mean by that is I think that going through and building a portfolio whether you are pretty early or you are at, at retirement age, right? I think it all has to start with that foundation. Here's what reality is. When you're talking about big mega cap companies and stocks, uh, uh, information is readily available to everyone. You're never going to be exactly right in those 
broadly traded indexes, right? So you're better off paying attention to your expenses and owning a, think of it like building a house, a strong foundation in those ETFs and index type of type of investments. When, depending on the assets, if from time to time, we will utilize actual individual stocks, utilizing managers and those kind of things, because you can get a little bit of performance out of those. And you have the ability to tax manage those depending on the amount and where it is, right? So there's some real advantages that are inside there. So we will utilize building that foundation, broad indexes, paying attention to sectors. Once you have that, then what you start doing is you become kind of tactical. You're looking at at times where you're looking at a certain sector that has opportunity, the outlook is great, and as you kind of filter it through the global macroeconomic environment to the fundamentals, the type of companies that benefit to that, and then pay attention to the technicals, where's that flow of money that gives you kind of an idea of where you want to move or move out of. This is, this so, is interesting. I, I actually just wrote an article, and I may quote something from it later, but it's uh, where stocks are going in 2023 and where you, you should invest now. And I talked about sectors in that. But but let me ask you this question. What about, okay, it, and, and Miranda and, and Aaron will back me up on this. Last January, <laughs> January of 2021, I said the market's going to fall. I mean, it's it sucks. It's time for me to ring the register because I have a lot of money. You know, I've been investing for many years. Excuse me, I'm 67 years old, so I want to take some money off the table. I proceeded not to do that, though. I said it, but I didn't right. do it. Uh, but so my question to you is, I actually ultimately did in one of the bear market rallies, I, t- I sold a bunch of, I sold about a third of my portfolio, actually. But anyway, point is, you saw probably, if I saw that, you saw this coming. I mean, we, when, the, when the Fed starts raising interest rates, you don't fight the Fed. You, you right. know it's going to hit the market. So, but now, a person in your position, we, we, off, we would say, I mean, I would assume you say often, we don't try to time the market. No one's smart enough to know when the market's going to go up or down. We always say it. Well, how do you reconcile those two things? How, how did you not, when you see what you know what's ultimately going to happen, how do you not time the market? Or what did you do? Okay, so I, mean, I can tell you exactly what, what, what we did. Um, but the way, the way that you do that is when you're going into periods of volatility, right? Which we knew in January, we were going into periods that we were going to be extremely volatile. We have finished uh, 20... 21 with volatility and now we have this extra the way you get through that in that foundation is you need to be broadly diversified when you and so in march of last year we pay attention to technical indicators and things like that and in a big picture scheme when when those when when the technical indicators violate or give us a give us a window that or show us that the, the markets have a propensity to go down we will go through and create cash so what we did from so you're selling stocks. In other words, let's be really clear yeah. here. So you 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 are getting taking money off the table. That's right. We basically increased our our cash exposure in March of last year, uh, tw- up to twenty percent, depending on the client. Okay, so, was, but you're really, so you're still staying eighty percent invested in stocks, even though so well, so twenty percent cash is a lot for you. That, that's well, it's it's not any percent stocks because we also have fixed income that's inside. Oh right, of course, okay. right. So so we went we went from we went from a fifty or let's call it a sixty percent exposure in equities down to a forty percent exposure okay. in equities. Okay, so you we did, increased, now, but isn't that market timing? The reality is is that 
the answer to that is to a certain extent. It's not like we have to do this now and then all of a sudden we all have to go back in. But the indicators were that the, the trends were down, that we were going to continue to have downside. We maintained a long-term perspective in the overall portfolio. Okay. okay. And so we took some chips off the table and built cash. It's much like loading the spring for when we start to get those indications, whether it's the Fed or the market show us or unemployment gets to a number that shows that we're the, that the Fed is about to reverse. And so, guess guess what I'm about to ask you, Robert. I'm about to ask you if when if you're going back in the market now or if you still are retaining that cash. But don't answer yet because we're going to take a quick break. I want everyone to be on the edge of their seat when we get back. <laughs> okay, so hold on. Now, this is, uh, this is time for us to pay some bills. So this podcast is sponsored by TELUS, the first savings app designed for home buyers by real estate experts. With TELUS, your savings earn more in one day than up to three weeks in a traditional bank savings account. What's more, there's no stock or crypto exposure, no fees, and you can withdraw anytime. Visit moneytalksnews.com forward slash TELUS, moneytalksnews.com forward slash TELUS to sign up. We'll also have a link in our show notes. And if you use the code MONEYTALK, you'll get a 6% APY for seven days with as little as $125 deposit. Okay, back to it, Robert. All right, this might be back... a spot for my good question. Oh, go, go ahead. Go right ahead. Okay. <laughs> All right. So obviously I'm a novice investor, so I'm really, you know, understanding certain things about stocks, whatever. It's it's whatever. So in 20 and in 21... Uh, because everybody, you know, everything went, went haywire. There was a, a huge amount of, of uh, couch traders that just got into the market. And when you, you basically look at it in the, in the stock market went like this, right? Because I think that like snowballed hedge funds and it snowballed like all kinds of things. Uh, when you look at a trend line, like any ETF, like the S&P 500, you look at a trend line like a 10-year and you draw a line, it seems like the stock prices where they are right now it's just normal trading. If everything was like average normal trading, they are right now where they should be. Is you guys agree or disagree? I mean, does I'm that not make quite any kind clear of on sense? the question? Actually, <laughs> okay. The question is: is like everything seems right now today is like it's just normal every day where this, the prices are where they should be, and 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 I like last week the Wall Street Journal had a had an article out about rookie traders are calling it quits. Their families yeah. are thrilled. You know, uh, you can see like everybody's pulled out. Like, you know, all the newbies yes. have pulled out. So actually, Aaron, well, I, and Robert, please, uh, your opinion as well. But what I would have said to Aaron is, uh, you know, it when the market, when there's a lot of speculation in the market, which is what you had in 2021, and a lot of that was a result of zero interest rates, essentially, um, that's a bad sign. That that's that signals a market top. When, when everybody's, you know, taking out a second mortgage and buying stocks. I remember that happening in the year 2000, too, when I, I was working at a TV station. The weatherman goes, Stacy, what do you think, man? I just took out a second mortgage so I could buy Internet stocks. And I think I said, I think you're a moron. Because, and, and sure enough, this is, you know, when people start, when everybody's a genius, and they're talking to each other at cocktail parties when it was money they're making in the stock market, you are really close to a market top. Robert, agree? Oh, 100%. I had a professor in college told me that when your barber's telling you about a stock, it's time to sell. There you go. And right. So, so yeah, my so question is, is, is now that everything's <laughs> now everything's pulled back down, I mean, if you bought stocks today, the idea would be, wouldn't you be okay if you're like thinking 20 years down the road? Sure. And then, and then because they seem to be priced where they should be. And then if there is a dip, you buy more. Uh, well, actually, Robert, do you think the market is priced where it should be right now? Uh, the the I, I think that we're going to continue to have volatility. You still like what, what you said, Stacy. 
you still have the, you don't fight the Fed. The Fed is still raising interest rates. Even after the yep. most recent CPI statement, there's still a 78% chance that in February, they're going to continue to raise rates. The Fed yep. has said they are going to stay higher for longer. The question that Aaron's asking is, given the pullback where we are right now, does it make sense to continue to add and or to have put money to work and continue to add? Uh, the answer to that is yes, if you have that 20-year time horizon. What if you don't? What if, I'm 67, uh, and, and I, I have considerable assets in the stock market, but way less than I did. I, I mean, I was 50% in stocks. I'm talking about my long-term savings, not just my retirement accounts, just my whole entire net worth. Uh, and now I'm about 25% in stocks. And I, I have every intention of going back in, but I'm not doing it now. I think the market is still a little overpriced. So I could be wrong, but I but I also have a lot of money in the market already. So you know, if I'm wrong, I'm still going to win. But I, I'm holding back a little bit. Let, let me let me put this to you, Robert, and tell me what you think. The, the S&P 500 uh, earnings estimates for 2023 are obviously range on who's doing the estimating. But some somewhere around 210, 200 to $210 uh, for the S&P 500, some, some higher, some lower. Let's call it 200 just for argument's sake. Okay, so if the market's trading at 15 times earnings, uh, then 200 puts us at 3,000 on the S&P. We're right. now at 3,900. We're almost right. at 4,000 right now. So doesn't that, okay, even if, even if the market's at, at 220, I mean, if the earnings are 220, then, you know, times 15 is what? I don't have my calculator, but it's <laughs> it's below where we are now, you yep. know. So thirty three, that'd be what thirty three hundred. Yeah. So how wh how would you respond to that? Do you agree? Disagree? Who cares? By anyway, what what would you say? <laughs> so, so is is do we still have volatility ahead of us? The answer to that is yes. When you the say volatility, by the way, do you mean the market going down, or do you mean the market, market going, going down? up? And... That's right. Yeah. Okay. Going down and everything. Okay. Yes. Okay. Here, a couple points. Number one is that we haven't had the market completely wash out yet. In other words, the VIX, which is the volatility index, has not spiked tremendously. That tells us that there's still downside, downward pressure. Right. That's number one. Right now, this period that we're in, we're in a period here for call it the next four weeks, five weeks, where all focus is going to be on earnings, companies and what their earnings are. That's backward looking. What's gonna be important is what these companies are saying about their outlook. All attention is gonna be paid to that. And as soon as we're out of earnings season, then we're gonna start looking and paying a lot of attention to the to, to the Fed and the economic numbers and trying to read the tea leaves about where to go. So so if you're if you are a person, if we take Stacy you as an example, and you have a lot of money sitting in cash and you are right here at the at the window or the doorstep of retirement. What we would do is that we would say, hold on, let's let's stop. Let's look at this. What is your income needs, right? How much money do you need to live on? Factor in taxes and inflation. We would go through and we would set aside money for the next five years inside of there. For monies for years six through 10, we're going to set aside that. So now what we have done is we've taken someone as they're getting, as a right there at the doorstep of retirement, from kind of being a short-term type investor, all the rest of that money can come over here into long-term. Now, that's not saying this money's sitting in cash, not doing anything. You've got to do it so that it's working for you, whether that's in the five years, things that like, like CDs or very, very short-term bonds. 
in this six through 10, you can take a little bit of risk. But what that does is it takes away the worry about what happens day to day in the market. You're like, okay, do I have enough money to live on? Because it's all about those outcomes. Do I have enough money to live on? Am I fact have I factored in inflation appropriately? Have I factored in my taxes appropriately? And it gives you that freedom to not have to worry about it and to still be, without regard to your age, that long-term investor. This this reminds me of something that I've heard Miranda call the bucket strategy. <laughs> right. Yeah, it, and it, 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 it is the bucket strategy, and, and it works. It does. And, you know, actually, this reminds me of something that I've said to a million people over the years, uh, Robert. If you're freaked out about the stock market, you got too much money in it. It's just that simple. You know, I mean, I, I, I'm not happy watching my investments go down, but it doesn't bother me, A, because I've done this for 40 years and I'm used to it, but B, because I don't have so much money in the stock market that I'm going to be in big trouble if something goes right. wrong. And so, and this is why, and I mentioned this in, in the context of the bucket strategy, because you've got money for the next five years and you don't have to worry that the stock market's, you know, that you're going to need to sell something at a loss. Right. Right. And so that's how you position your customers. That, that, that's right. And I'll, I'll tell you, when we started doing this, we didn't know that there was a such thing called a bucket strategy. It was back how to Klein who retired in 1998. Uh, and they said, we want to keep five years worth of cash sitting in money markets and, and earning interest for us. I mean, at that time, it didn't really click. Well, we went through 2001, 2002. They happened to have a significant position in a company that ended up going out of business. So their net worth dropped, but they didn't have to worry because they still had those assets. As we move forward from call it 02 to 07, they had this recovery. Then we, and we maintained five years worth of money. Then we had the financial crisis. Today, they've got more money than what they did in 1998 and they've lived on it the whole time. So that we kind of fell into it and then realized there was a such thing as the uh, bucket strategy. Uh, but that's, that is exactly, that, that affords people at the doorstep of retirement the flexibility to do what's important to them. Yeah, and I, and I totally 100% agree with you, and I think that's really, really important. And I want to make sure, every, you know, even for the people who've never listened to us before, because we've talked about this many times, but l let's restate. As a matter of fact, Randa, you've restated this so many times. <laughs> give, give us a quick, a quick update. What, what is the bucket strategy? Yeah, so basically your bucket strategy says, like, um, I want to make sure that I have access to the assets that I need for, you know, whatever X years. Uh, Robert talked about five years. So you want to make sure that you've got, you know, cash for the next five years or three years. Um, I used it with my son's 529 where I pulled, I was like, okay, this is what we're going to need for two years. And so I went ahead and moved that into cash um, because like, and, and then that way you have, okay, this is what I need for my immediate needs. And if the market goes down, then I have this protected stuff that I can get into that I've already sold high with. I've already realized my gains on it. And I have this money I can go into and I don't have to draw on these other assets while the market is down and sell at a loss. And so the idea is to kind of, you know, bucket things out into immediate, medium term and long term. And as you use, you know, as you reevaluate and you use some of your cash, then you look at it, like Robert says, you know, you're always keeping five, you know, five years of cash on hand. So now you need to pour from your medium bucket into your short-term bucket, and then you'll pour from your long-term bucket into your medium bucket as you go along. 
But the idea is, you know, you, you have a little more flexibility in when you sell so that you're not freaking out and going, well, I'm retired and I need access to this money now. And so I don't have any choice. And there goes, you know, now I have to sell at a loss at the beginning of my retirement. And oh my gosh. <laughs> and, and then that, of course, affects you later on down the road. So the bucket strategy is just a nice way to make sure that you have a chunk of um, immediate liquid assets that insulate you um, so that you don't have to sell things at a loss when you need the money. And you I'm know, by the way, a, I'm going to do a bucket plug right here because good. Um, good. Uh, recently I went to the Money Talks News Solutions page, which we have, and went through and tried to find the highest interest uh, savings account. And I found a 4.3 or 4.4 uh, APY savings account and threw a bunch of money in there. It's And it, it's growing. Yeah, it's it, awesome. It's astounding. I, I was just yeah. going to say that too, Aaron, because it used to be you put money in in a money market fund because you didn't want to lose it, you know, because it needed to be liquid. Now it's like, oh my God, the stock market's down twenty percent, but I'm making five percent on my savings with no risk, yep. you know, because yep. I, I buy treasuries, uh, and, and or are there other high quality bonds? So you know, th this is a really great time. And, and in fact, I, I in this article uh, that I was just talking about that I wrote about where stocks are going. I said, I've been investing for 40 years, never bought a treasury until a few months ago. Uh, and so, and, and so what, Robert, are you advising your clients to, how about going longer term to lock in? Because if, if there is a recession, interest rates will probably come back down. Um, do, do you agree with that, Robert? And if so, are you recommending bonds? So, yes, we do use bonds. Remember, when we're talking about this bucket strategy, each one of those buckets is going to have a different different philosophy, right? So inside of the, that bucket for the first five years, we're going to be looking at things like bonds. We're going to be looking at things like CDs, things that- Short term, though. That's right. Very, very boring. In the intermediate term, we need to make sure that that money is available for you for year six through 10. Over here in the long term, we're going to have a smaller allocation generally to bonds but one of the things that that you've got to look at is that 11 out of the last 13 times that the federal reserve has raised interest rates they've pushed us into a recession now we can debate uh, i went to harvard of the piding woods up in uh, nacogdoches and stephen f austin state university and what we were taught was back-to-back -back quarters of negative growth of gdp meant you were in a recession well, we had that in the first and second quarters. Third quarter was positive. We don't have third yet. So who knows when or if we're in a recession. But what will end up happening at some point, the Fed is going to end up having to cut rates, having to come down. And one of the things tactically that we're looking at, and it's way too early for those longer term bonds, there may be the ability, not necessarily for income, but for capital appreciation on that fixed income. And so it really kind of depends. If this is in our long-term bucket, we're not looking at it for income. We're looking right. at that for capital appreciation. So in there, yes, we would look at long-term bonds because there is some opportunity. In the other buckets, we're gonna we're gonna make sure we've got to do everything in our power to ensure that the, that those funds are available for you when you need them. So we got to be we got to be relatively conservative, not quite as tactical. It's cool. Yeah, it, it's nice to have high interest rates. Uh, and it's also, and now you know what I haven't done yet? I keep waiting for rates to go up and I haven't locked in long-term. I'm in real short-term stuff. Uh, and now, I, and now you know, every time a 10-year goes lower, I think, well, I'll just wait till it pop back up where it was before. It was four and a half, now it's three and a half. So I, I haven't done that. But I, but I have advised people, you know, get, get into some longer-term bonds. 
uh, and for both for capital appreciation. Aaron, I'm sure you're aware of this, but just in case for those listeners who aren't, you know that bond prices move inverse to interest rates, right? So if the higher interest rates go, the lower long-term bond prices will go. And the reverse is also true, which is what Robert was just alluding to. If you've got right. a long-term bond and interest rates drop, that bond becomes more valuable. So you can actually sell it for a profit uh, yeah. as well as locking in a higher interest rate. So it's a, still timing. Yep. <laughs> yep, it's true. So um, I, I, we're up, unfortunately, the time went so fast today. But the bottom line, as far as I'm concerned, and I'd like to get yours too, Robert, but uh, to tell people if, hey, obviously, it's concerning when your net worth drops 20%, obviously. But if you're panicked, you're doing it wrong. Uh, and you need to get some help uh, or do a little more reading or something. So how would you conclude for us today, Robert? Do you agree with that? Yeah, I think that it absolutely makes sense to take some time to go through and review your plan. Make sure that you're on track. If you're, I agree with you 100%. If, we're, if you're nervous that that you're going to go that that everything's going to zero. You're doing it wrong, and you need to you need to you need to reevaluate. But it absolutely makes sense to go through and look and make sure you're comfortable with the investments. Make sure, like in four hundred one ks, most of the time people just put it in there and they don't look at it again. Make sure that your setup and your allocation is correct. Make sure that your plan and keep score. The thing about the bucket strategy is it allows you to continue to keep score. You can see whether or not you're on track or not and make adjustments. Cool. And we're going to be we're going to tell people where they can find you too, Robert. You know, and obviously there are many people that are really good at this. Robert's one of them. And you can do it yourself too. I mean, you can you can study and, and do this stuff. I find it fascinating, and I spend I spend three hours a day researching this stuff just because I like it. Um, but if that's not you, then maybe you could reach out there and find someone like Robert. Sure, Any, we'd welcome that opportunity to give it, our opinions. Yeah. <laughs> Anybody have anything else to add before we close? Uh, it's, oh, one, it's, it's one of the markers you guys look for. I was noticing uh, there's a lot of articles on CEOs not buying their own stock and, and CEOs actually literally telling people, you know, don't buy anything. Our, our valuation is going to go down. I mean, was that a marker you would look at? Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I would. <laughs> what about you, Robert? Yeah, I mean, if someone's saying, do not own my stock, and I'm, <laughs> I'm not saying that I, I probably don't want to own it. <laughs> <laughs> but, and, and likewise, though, when, when they're buying their own stock, that's often a good sign, too. Yeah. There's, a, there's many reasons that CEOs sell stock, but there's only one reason they buy it. Uh, you, you can sell stock for any number of reasons. Put your kids through college, buy a new right. car, whatever. Right. Only buy it for one reason. I think it's going to go up. Anything else, Miranda? Nope, nope. Robert? Just uh, keep plugging in there, kids. Keep plugging along. Robert, anything else? I don't have anything else. Thank you for this uh, this uh, uh, this time. It's super fun. We, really we appreciate your time. Okay, folks, speaking of time, we're out of it, but we're never out of topic. So dig a little deeper. You're going to find links to lots more info in our show notes. And remember, if your goal is to make more, to spend less, to retire rich, well, your online home is moneytalksnews.com. And don't forget to check out Miranda's online home as well. That is Miranda Markwit, M-A-R-Q-U-I-T.com. And of course, you want to visit Robert at his website. That is ConsentureWealth.com. I'm going to spell that C-O-N-C-E-N-T-U-R-E Wealth.com. Uh, you can find our show notes too. Got a question, comment, or topic you'd like to suggest? We would love to hear from you. You can email us at hello at MoneyTalksNews.com. And one last thing, if you like what we do, then gosh darn it, do something for us. Subscribe to our podcast. Takes you two seconds really helps us, makes our parents proud. So if you like us, show us and subscribe. I'm Stacey Johnson. I'm Miranda Marquette. I'm Aaron Freeman. And you're supposed to say your name here, Robert. 
Oh, and I'm Robert Gilliland. <laughs> I, I, I always forget to tell our guests that that's going to happen. Okay, thanks for hanging out with us, folks. We're going to see you right here next time.